Welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. We bring you conversations that will inspire, empower, and educate you to thrive both in business and in life. My name is Vash Naidu, and I'm your host, an intuitive fempreneur coach and the founder of the Wonder Woman Club, a global community of phenomenal women doing phenomenal things in the world. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Wonder Woman podcast. Um, today, we have another special guest, um, Adam Piandes, who is actually one of my co-moderators for a room we host on Clubhouse, which is called Life is Messy. And we go deep into conversations that are really awkward, uncomfortable, but are really meaningful and important to have. So thank you so much for joining us today, Adam. Adam does a multitude of things, so it's a whole mouthful for me to mention. So I'm going to hand it over to you to tell us a bit more about yourself and what you do. Cool. Thanks for having me, Vash. Um, yes, and it's been it's been awesome getting to know you through our little clubhouse adventure, talking about messy stuff. So I look forward to keep doing that. Um, I have a business. It's Adam Piendis International. Uh, we're a leadership development company. Um, so develop leaders in a couple different ways. One for me, I, I work with individuals, a handful of individuals every year, um, whether it's C level executive or business owner, and just work on work-life balance, um, again, leadership development or whatever else is going on for them. Um, anything that's bringing up challenging issues, we help them work through it. But our, our group programs are, um, are designed to support uh, teams within organizations. Um, our primary uh, program is called the Art of Masterful Communication. We like to call it AOMC because it is a lot. And, um, and what we do is we, we, we help teams um, do a couple different things is, is one, develop leaders at all levels of an organization. And we, and we do it in a way uh, where we try to strengthen communities as well. So we, we host group coaching calls, we bring teams together, we have them talk about challenging subject matters such as fear and rejection and, and um, you know, a lot of the things that aren't often mentioned in the corporate environment. And then we teach them tangible communication skills as well, such as listening and asking questions. And we've been running the program now for about three or four years and we've, we've served uh, participants in over 70 countries and, um, and it's been a lot of fun. So that's primarily what, what, what I'm doing for work. Awesome. So it's all very corporate, but we have so many discussions that are not very corporate because like you said, you do go into deep topics like fear and, and all those, those deep rooted stuff. But, um, before we get into that, I really want to know more about your journey. Um, you know, where did it all start for you? I know, um, you're born in Boston and you got into college as an athlete. Um, so tell us more about how your journey started. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I did, I, I, I grew up in the Boston area. I played basketball in college. I played a little bit in, in Europe, uh, had a cup of coffee as they like to say, it didn't last very long. Um, but I, I, when I came back from, from there, uh, I moved to Colorado and from there I, I had my first kind of official taste of teaching and coaching. I coached the high school basketball team. Um, and so when I did that, I, it was kind of my initiation into this whole world of teaching, coaching, facilitating. Um, uh, and then from there, I just kind of rode that wave of, uh, I lived in Colorado for a little while. I then ended up becoming a middle school teacher. Um, I taught in Connecticut and then I taught eventually in San Francisco while I was in San Francisco, 
I did a variety of things working with kids from teaching and running camps, tutoring, a whole bunch of things. I then, uh, I think it's inevitable when you live in San Francisco, eventually you participate in the tech world. And so I was, um, I left education for a while and I did uh, work for tech startup companies for about eight years doing business development and sales. And then I started my own business about seven years ago when I started, when I started Adam Pianis International. And the, and the reason I did it was I wanted to get back into teaching and coaching. I did not want to go back into teaching middle school. So I wanted to teach bigger kids, otherwise known as adults. And um, I started, you know, I started coaching friends. I started coaching, um, you know, friends who had businesses. And then it kind of grew and transitioned and, and then turned it into what it is today, um, which is, you know, I think when you start a business, you don't really know where it's going to end up. And uh, now we're doing these group coaching programs and we're growing and expanding. And, and in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of the journey. So I've, I've been in the teaching, coaching, facilitating world to some degree for, I would say, for the past 25 years. So that's where I feel most comfortable. Yeah. And that's where you've, you've definitely grounded yourself so much more. Um, I think what, what I'd love to know is how did you go from, you know, coaching is obviously a world that opens you up to so many different, you know, areas that you could work into. And how did you find yourself going down this communication route? Um, and what led you to creating this type of work? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I kind of have hung my hat on communication as being the the differentiator or when people say, what do you do? What does the company do? What do you focus on? It's leadership development, it's personal growth, but we, we anchor into this idea of communication. And I think part of it, why I got into communication is because I really wasn't that great at it for a long time. Um, however, I was always intuitive and able to connect with folks uh, pretty easily. And so, um, you know, I struggled with connecting with people or being able to articulate what it is that I wanted to say. And I often my emotions would get in the way. And so when, when things kind of shifted for me, I, I knew that I was able to connect with people. I was intuitive. I'm able to motivate people, make people laugh, facilitate. Um, yet I wasn't always able to articulate just how I was doing it and, 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 and why it was successful. Um, I had a job about 10 years ago where I was always in some sort of heated disagreement with my boss. And I, um, I kind of lost it one day on him. And uh, from that moment, I, I decided like I really need to hone in on what are those things that allow me to be effective and what are these things that drive me to, to kind of lose control? Right as I did, and so I, you know, from that point, I I really started to study the art of being effective at it. Um, I went and got a master's degree at this program in spiritual psychology, where they really taught us a lot about language and how to articulate and how to be a bit more connected to our emotions in doing so. Um, I went through some coaching programs, and then in 2015, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And your thyroid is located in your throat. And from a spiritual perspective, it was a blockage in my throat area. So when I was able to move through that, I came out on the other side of that with really a whole new perspective on utilizing my voice, uh, not keeping things, you know, in, uh, not internalizing things and, and, allow, and allowing myself to just be more fluid with my expression. And so... <clears throat> I think there was just a confidence that was gained from that and from the schooling that I did and just 
being able to package all of my experiences from teaching and coaching and then having that illness and and really stepping in and 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 honing in on on this idea of communication and and I think once I started to allow myself to be expressive and allow myself to share what I've learned. Um, things just started to flow. And I said, well, you know, I, I have a good sense of what I'm doing here. And so that's, you know, someone, I just decided to create a course, uh, the art of masterful communication, which I mentioned, and, and that too, is just putting myself out there and just taking a chance and, and it's all worked out really well. So thanks for sharing. Um, so I want to, I want to kind of go back to the point when you kind of realized you want good at communicating or weren't equipped at that time at communicating and how did you know to unravel it a bit more how did you firstly recognize it because sometimes that's the first thing most people don't do they aren't able to recognize these um these areas of development for ourselves so how did you recognize it well you know i uh, was a pretty angry dude and so um I didn't always know where to put it. And, and oftentimes it would come out in situations where I would actually least expect that it would come out. So I, 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 I had outlets to express my anger and, and the anger comes from just a variety of different things over the years and stuff. But if we, if we get into kind of dealing with emotions and really developing the sense of communication, um, anger was a big part of it for me uh, in the sense that I used to have outlets through sports to be able to express myself in that way through competition. Um, and then competition tended to seep into other aspects of my life that weren't as beneficial. And so whether I was, you know, getting angry at friends or just getting angry at really anybody, um, it, it, it was a problem. And so through a lot of work, through a lot of support, through therapy and different methodologies, I started to um, take a bit more responsibility for for my anger, to do some of the personal work, to go on more healing journeys, to take a deeper look within myself, to say, what's the root of this issue? Um, and as I started that journey, probably about 20 years ago, it's been a slow, gradual road to get to that point. I do believe that the illness that I mentioned before was a real pivotal point for me. Um, it, 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 again, it opened up my throat. It allowed me to be more expressive. It, I gave myself more permission to be creative. And I think all of those things were, were part of, of kind of the healing process that just allowed me to get more grounded, get to know myself better, develop more confidence, uh, be more empathetic, more compassionate, and all those kind of buzzwords, but it, but it's true. And 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 the combination of those things just, I don't know. It's just been a process, I guess. Do you think, like, with your experience of, you know, the the anger, and did did you unintentionally maybe suppressed all of that, which then created that bottleneck of communicating or speaking it out and. Obviously, in in the psychological, uh, sorry, in the spiritual sense, it's um, it manifested in the thyroid cancer, mm -hmm. and you know, and I and I grasp that concept and that belief as well. And do you think that 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 process of internalizing it and making in intention unintentionally making yourself ill with a disease from it was that was that something you became aware of whilst you were doing it because like if were you internalizing it a lot more knowing that you couldn't speak up knowing that you couldn't voice it and you kept almost like swallowing it in yeah i mean i i think so i i um you know i started i started i would say this kind of personal development journey 20 years ago i'm 47 now 
And I, I remember distinctly when I was 27, I was teaching in middle school. And I said to one of the parents of one of the students who was a psychiatrist, I said, something's not right. Like something feels off. I, I'm not sure what it is. I don't know what, I'm not really sure what to do about it. And that's when that, that personal exploration started. You know, I went to go see a therapist. Um, and so, you know, just unraveling the, the pattern and behaviors that I had developed over many years took a long time. Yeah. And, and a lot of the ways that I, that I coped with those suppressed emotions that you're talking about, the anger, the sadness was through partying. I mean, I was, I was out a lot and I utilized um a lot of different things to to keep to, for the short-term gain to feel better but the, but continued suppress those emotions right and so i was doing the personal work however i was partying at night and so where i was starting to theoretically and conceptually kind of learn about what it really means to process emotions i was putting a lid on it from extracurricular activities right and so over time, like that just is not sustainable. And, and after hitting what I would say, like some pretty d dark places, um, again, it was just slowly starting to learn about self-forgiveness and self-compassion and, and slowly starting to learn ways and methods to, to be more vulnerable and to be expressive. I still, to this day, there are times when I want to say something and I'll just, I, I'll feel like my throat clench up or I'll feel like I want to suppress it. And those are the times now where I really just try to lean into it and share. So I don't, I don't know if that answered your question, but I, I think just kind of like, in summary, it's just been a long journey of dealing with getting to know myself better and finding ways, finding ways to express anger, right? Because anger is... Yeah is an emotion it's real and and finding healthy constructive ways versus like losing my shit on somebody yeah i think like you've you've explained all of that extremely well and um and shared part of that process that you went through and i think you hit such a, a an important part of this topic is that anger is a normal emotion um, and it's, it's that recognition of knowing that we do get angry, but what do we do in those moments of anger and yep. how do we create outlets that help us release it and, and heal it at the same time as well? Because that's, that's the other thing, because we get hurt. Anger isn't just anger itself. We also get hurt with certain things that can create anger as well. So there's healing that's required in so many ways as well. Um, and, you know, touching on, you know, the, the bigger parts of the work that you did, you know, there's obviously the recognition part where you started to recognize and you knew that you needed to, you, you intuitively knew something was not right. And that's something we learn with time to actually trust our intuition more, I guess, when we're adults, because when we're younger as kids, we do it naturally. We just say what we think, we say what we feel. And then during our adolescent years, that changes because we're seeking, we're seeking that validation from others. We're seeking someone else to approve of us in so many ways that we lose sight of ourselves and we, we lose connection. And then as we get to adult stage, we sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, because there's a lot of people out there that still aren't in tune with their intuition. And once you've recognized that and you started doing the work, what was that process of doing the work for you? Because you talked about self-love, self-compassion. And these are also great buzzwords, but self-love, self-compassion, it's actually really, really hard um, because we are our own worst critics and our own worst enemy. And it's easier for us to love someone outside of ourselves than to see ourselves for all the versions of ourselves and love ourselves. So what was that process like for you? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so what I learned at a later stage is that when you simplify kind of the three different layers of emotions, there's, there's, it, it, it was super helpful for me. There's anger and underneath anger is always sadness, always. And underneath sadness is love, right? So when we frame it in this way to simplify it, uh, that framework became extremely helpful for me because I knew that if I started to get angry, that there's a sadness underneath it that needs to be attended to, right? And so if we can can step in and work with the sadness, we can then access that self-love and that self-compassion underneath it. And so the reason why self-compassion and self-love is so challenging is because it's hiding underneath all of this stuff that's on top of it. Yeah. And so the framework for me has been super helpful with my own business. I work with a lot of men. And, you know, many of them have not been given permission to express anger in a way that's constructive. And so how do you how do you express it in a constructive manner? Well, first of all, is identifying I am feeling angry, right? It's it's because there's so much there's like uh, it's taboo almost in some respects to suggest that it's OK to be angry. And I think for men in particular, because that's a lot of the work that I do is that, you know, there just, there just hasn't been a lot of permission, I don't know how else to say it, to, to be able to express it in a way that's constructive. It's usually seen through violence, being aggressive, screaming, yelling, um, and, and those sorts of outlets. Uh, so, so, you know, for me, the journey really started with that therapeutic work, which was to get in there, was to talk about the anger, to, to really identify what's the root of the anger. Um, to, to go deeper into the root, you know, and most things, if not all things for everyone starts in their childhood. And so if you, if you haven't been willing or haven't done the work to, to learn about the roots of, of whatever anger that you're carrying around, well, the anger is not going to go anywhere. It's going to stay there. Right. So accessing the root, working with a variety of different supporters from therapists to, shamans to acupuncturists to just a, a whole wide variety of different healers um you know working with all of them it was just this continual process of going in taking a closer look and then again i you know the the illness again played such a significant role in really opening up and and my master's in spiritual psychology program was really fantastic in terms of um helping us the you know helping me identify the emotions and then putting a language around it so that I could actually verbalize it and articulate it in a way that was constructive. So rather than in very simple form, rather than saying like, you pissed me off, I learned to not go down that road and just rather say, hey, when this happened, or this happened, and I'm feeling angry, right? So it, it's it's the shift from the victim seat of you did this to me to the empowered seat of this is how I'm feeling. And so, you know, just learning and staying with it and, and the journey has been a long one, but it's yeah. now I feel like I'm in a place where I understand those three layers, anger, sadness, love. And if I can allow anger and sadness to move through me, then I can really apply that, that, that love to myself and forgive myself for any judgments and, and just be, be a better human to, to me myself so that I can extend that to others. I think, you know, with with the taboo of being angry, I don't think it's only men. I think it's also women as well. Absolutely. Because women, you know, like I, th I think women, 
men obviously react in certain some in domestic situations violently um, and then women are always and there's this condition and I speak from my experience as well there's this condition that as a woman you shouldn't get angry like that's just not your tendency or not your nature and and like you said it's it's that whole piece of having an outlet and being able to utilize that outlet because all of these things and it's and it's that empowered position of realizing what the the situation or the occurrence or the individual involved it has nothing to do with all of that outstanding the outside of it it's more internal what i'm feeling and what does that actually mean for me um and you know you mentioned going down that route of identifying emotions and i think that's such a huge topic because as we're growing up, we're not really taught a lot of this. And even in school curriculums, we see a lot of new things coming about around mindfulness and all these different things. But we we don't see the the, the emotional side of things. Like we we always look at you know all these motivational speaks uh, speakers and and posts and quotes and all of those things. It's all about mindset, mindset, mindset. And and I I love that. I mean you know I I've done NLP. I'm a master practitioner, hypnosis, all of that stuff. I absolutely love all that stuff. But I also find that disconnect with the emotion part of ourselves because we have an emotional body as well. And in that state is like identifying the emotion. And what would you say to someone who wants to understand their emotions? How would you tell them, you know, especially from your own experience and what you've learned in your spiritual psychology, um, a spiritual psychology, yeah, um, yep. course that how would they identify it? Because if they can identify it and they can name it, it loses a certain power, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, in terms of taking over our our kind of like our current state of being like emotions when they're not identified and we're not able to work with them they literally take over right like if you've ever dealt with somebody who experiences a lot of rage when when they're in that place of rage they're unreachable yeah. right because the emotion has literally taken over that that current experience and so um and and i totally hear you what you're when you refer to women there's there's they're like almost there's there isn't even permission to be able to, to be angry right and to and to be able to express that is and, it, and i think it gets manifested in, in 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 different ways because of it as well um so so to be able to identify emotions you know this is the heart of what we teach in our program and it's um and it's a process that was a bell. I don't know if that was mine. Um, and it's a process, right? Um, so, so, so the way we teach it in our programs is that there's an internal process. There's a reflective component, a spiritual component, whatever you want to call it. We have to learn more about your energy, you, you, uh, the fears that you hold on to, the, your, your blind spots, developing self-awareness, understanding that you have a choice with every encounter that you have in terms of how you're going to respond. Right. So if, if you can start to, to, to develop that self-awareness, you have to build the internal foundation before you can even begin to think about identifying emotions. And then from there, developing skill sets around listening, like really listening to what's going on inside of you, listening to the stories or the misbeliefs or the misinterpretations of reality that we create and this head trash, the noise that we develop within ourselves um, and being curious from there so so building a strong internal foundation being able to listen staying curious and saying okay i'm feeling something right now what is that that i'm feeling and you know i've, I've worked with heads of large organizations 
and have asked, you know, they'll, they'll share an incident with me and then I'll just stop and say, well, well, how did that make you feel? And, and the answer is often, well, you know, I was just, they shouldn't have, you know, I got, I, you know, it, it never happened that way before. Or they'll go down this long kind of windy tangent and I'll have to bring them back to the question of no, how, how do you feel? What is the emotion? And it's often a real difficult task to be able to identify it. So I think part of it is practice, practice building on the internal foundational piece and just staying curious and asking and, and really saying, okay, I feel upset. I feel out of sorts. I feel out of whack. What is it that I actually feel? And, and trying to identify it. I feel sad. I feel pissed off. I feel angry. I feel, you know, rejected or whatever, whatever it may be. So so I, I I obviously do a lot of this work and sitting in those emotions is really awkward, really painful and really uncomfortable. So from your perspective and your expertise, how can you guide someone to still sit with those emotions and not give up? Because it's really easy to say, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just too much because it does become a bit overwhelming. And, you know, once you do it once or twice, it, you start to understand your own processes and how you work. But if you can get through that in the first place, then you're on the other side, you know, where yeah. there's more light at the end of the tunnel. But what would be your guidance there? Yeah, I like this saying that that healing is the application of love to all the places that hurt, That's right? Beautiful. And so when we think about those painful places, those painful emotions, um, at the end of the day, it's an opportunity for healing. And so... If you choose to avoid it or choose distractions, like, you know, go to the club for three days, like I used to, um, uh, it's a missed opportunity in a lot of respects, right? So yeah. being in a place of discomfort is exactly what it is. It's just not, it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, and so giving oneself permission to apply some love to the place that hurts with the intention of moving towards a healing, towards healing. I think being intentional is, is super supportive. And, and the other the other piece that I'll add to that is that um, is that things take as long as they take. Right. So we may want something to heal in a day and it may take a year. Right. Yeah. And it may take less. It's just, um, you know, I, I, I think that spirit works in really mysterious ways and and those healing processes no matter how intentional we may be are often not completely up to us as individuals and so it's yeah it's there's a little bit of surrender in that process as well yeah i think it's it's a whole lot of surrender and a whole yeah. lot of faith um i know i know for me in my own personal circumstances as well when i was going through a really ch challenging period and I, I said to a friend of mine you know i'm giving myself three months i'm gonna you know do the work yeah. and do this 90 days it's like 90 days, like, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll be good as golden. And she's like, you know what? Let's just remove the timeline. It might yeah. take a year. It might take five. Just let it be. Let it do what it needs to do. And, and rightly so. It was a year for me. And it was both the most painful, um, yeah, the mo most painful and most the hardest year of my life. But at the same time, the most joyous year of my life. Yeah. Going through those periods and actually sitting in those those painful, really, really painful. And when I talk about it, it's like painful in the sense that I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. That going through all of that and then coming out the other side and actually just finding my complete self, finding my complete light, finding that ability to love in that way. 
um, because there's a whole it's a whole new level when you can get through that level of work and then find love. The love you have before that piece of work and the love you have after that piece of work is very different. That's what I also learned um, during that process. Um, so yeah, the, the the love is the same. It's just being able to access it, right? Like, true, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the, uh, it, you know, you, you brought up another saying that I really love for me is that um, expectation is the root of all disappointment. Yes, and yes. so when we say, okay, I'm going to give myself 90 days, the expectation is that at 90 days, everything's going to be cool and we're going to feel better. Yeah. And it inevitably leads to disappointment. Yeah. And so uh, ridding ourselves of expectation around these journeys is is so so important yeah i want to i want to go back um to what we what we discussed before and and i want to go back to the to you being diagnosed with thyroid cancer sure and what that experience was with obviously you started to recognize how this had manifested and why it had manifested so what was that process for you of the journey to healing yeah, I was sick for a while and I was not in a good space. I mean, I was I would be really depressed or really anxious and my um, emotional states were varied like big time and in short periods of time. Or like I feel one way one one hour and then another way another hour. And so I um I, I for whatever reason, I opted not to get blood work for like two or three years. And then finally, it's like, oh, maybe I should get some blood, give some, you know, get some blood work done here to see what's going on. And, and, and so when, when they did, they discovered that, you know, my hormone levels were just completely out of whack. And so keeping hormones balanced is really, really important. Uh, you know, I came to find out. Um, so I was, I was not well for a while, for years, for years. And, um, I was in my, um, I was in my master's program at the time and, uh, really struggling. I mean, really, really going through it. Uh, there were classes when I would sit in class and I, I literally would feel like I was crawling out of my skin. Um, there were times when, you know, I had, um, uh, insomnia for like six months and I would have to walk to the beach and put my feet in the sand just to remind myself that I was actually like on this earth because I was so out of whack. And so I went through some really dark, dark times and, um, being in the spiritual psychology program was, you know, nothing happens on accident, right? Like it was all divine timing. It really helped me ground into the idea that there is a spiritual root to what is happening here. Um, and so it may be manifesting in a physical form of thyroid cancer. And I may be going to the hospital and them saying, you have thyroid cancer, let's rip it out and get you on medication, right? There's kind of one side. And then I'd step into my spiritual psych program and they'd almost say like, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. Right. Like we understand you have this thing, but what's happening underneath, like what's really going on here. When have you been not speaking your truth? Like what are your fears around not expressing yourself? And there was one and, and the importance of, I, I really learned about the importance of language in this program. I remember standing up in front of class and saying, I went to the doctors and they told me I have thyroid cancer and the, and the head of the class said something to me that really shifted the way I thought about it since then. And she said, you do not have thyroid cancer. You've been diagnosed with thyroid cancer because the minute you claim that you have this, every cell in your body believes it to be true. And your body's going to start to take that on as it's as part of, as, as part of who you are. And that's not who you are. 
And so the framing it in such a way where it was a diagnosis allowed me to create space from it and, and then to, to have conversations with it and to learn more about it, learn more about the root. Because if I took it on to believe that's part of who I am, I wouldn't have had that space. And that space, I, you know, I believe is so important when we talk about healing is we have to distance ourselves from belief systems so that we can create new ones. And, and so distancing was so, was so important for me then because it allowed me to, to have space, to allow myself to heal. And the healing process took a while. I did, I did a lot of work. I found um, um, a sacral occipital chiropractor, which is a, a very specific kind of chiropractic work that has become a huge part of my healing process which is about aligning the sacrum and the occipital joint and really now allowing my body to be structurally aligned so that it allows my, you know, to become spiritually aligned. And so they all, I think they all work together. So yeah, um, it's been a process. What would your advice be to someone who has had a diagnosis and hasn't had this level of information before, but listening to it now, how would they create that distance? Because, you know, I always say, you know, we are the best hypnotists in the world. We hypnotize ourselves every day with different things. And, you know, when it's someone of authority, like a doctor that tells you, you have yeah. this, you tend to accept the diagnosis because we already believe there's an unconscious bias that they have that authority and they know exactly what they're talking about. So for people that have had a certain diagnosis and have accepted it, how can they untangle from that now to disconnect and have that distance to then create space for healing? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And it's, um, it is um, a systemic issue, right? Where we are um, programmed to believe that um, anything a doctor tells us is, 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 is the word, right? And this isn't to say that there aren't amazing practitioners out there because there are. Um, it's, um, you know, it's kind of like it's repatterning, it's, it's untangling old belief systems, and sometimes old habits die hard, right? And so mm-hmm. anytime I think that there's an opportunity to separate ourselves from um, what used to be um, uh, a claim that there's something wrong with us, right, that, 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 uh, that we have an ailment, and this is just part of who we are, there's an opportunity to just remind ourselves that that those things are not who we are, right? Essentially, at at our core, we are love, and that's what we are, right? And so illnesses are real. These things are going to come in, and eventually, we're all going to get struck with illness, and eventually, we're all we're all going to move on, right? So, to, to one of the things that's helped me is to is to view myself as a soul having a human experience. Right. And so the illness, the diagnosis, all of these things are part of my human experience so that my soul can continue its journey after it's it's done living this particular experience. And so that belief system has helped me as well to, to create distance from these things and not to take these things on as part of who I am. And so how does somebody do that? I, I think patiently and, and with practice right is to not take everything on as a belief of who we are and rather create distance from it and and at, at our core just realize we are love and 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 we are souls having a human experience and it's all part of that experience and so yeah. you know you have to get down with that belief system for it to to you know <laughs> to be supportive but it's been helpful for me yeah i think it's that um like you said that creating that space and then for you now to make a conscious and an unconscious decision to disconnect from those beliefs as well. 
yeah. um, you know, it's it's like identifying it and then disconnecting, like making that decision to disconnect and then replacing it with something new, because that's what it's that that creation of a habit, but it's also that creation of a new belief as well. Yeah. Process in the way the mind works. Um, because I, I like mind, the word I like the word identity as well. Identifying. Yeah. It's a yeah, misidentification yeah. is what it is of, yeah. of reality, right? Yeah. We're misidentifying our reality by way of taking those things on. So anyhow, I, yeah. I, yeah, no, it's true because we, we, we adopt identity and it becomes such a big part of us. It's like, you know, when we introduce ourselves, we'll say, I'm, you know, for example, with, with alcoholics, you know, that they start off with my name is, and I'm an alcoholic. And I think that's such a, like that makes my skin crawl. Like it yeah, makes me I, like, yeah. I have a major it, problem with that as well. It's just your identity is so important because that's how, that's what rules us in so many ways. And, and our beliefs are the bottom of all of that. And what we believing about ourselves is what we, we choose as our identity. And people can have a hard time because I think you, you would also get this is that sometimes people can have a hard time of not identifying as the disease and as the sickness as well, because there's that, there's also that egoic side of having the disease or having the trauma when you can actually disconnect from that. And it's no longer Vash who has the disease. It's just Vash and yeah. it's like a nakedness without that. That also can be quite scary. So we don't want to disconnect from it as well. Um, yeah, it's it's um there's a shift. So so the shift that comes to mind for me when you talk about that is making a shift from victimhood to a position of empowerment, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's we don't necessarily identify victimhood with with grasping onto these these things, right? But but essentially it keeps them in it keeps us in this place of of almost saying, well, I would be able to do this if it wasn't for this thing, right? And so there's a sense of victimhood in there. Uh, and to, to release that is really, is truly like one of the most empowering things that one can do for oneself. Absolutely. I totally, totally agree. Yeah. So you have been a phenomenal guest as I knew you would be and sharing your, your story, um, your vulnerabilities and your wisdom um, has been amazing. And I thank you so much for sharing the podcast space with me today, but also sharing the room that we host um, on Clubhouse. I love the energy. I love what we do there and, and how we're impacting in the world in, in our own soulful ways. We get to do that. So I appreciate it. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm sure I will have you on again at some point. Thanks, Vash. Yeah, you're, you're the best. And I've really enjoyed getting to know you and excited to keep working together. So thank you. Awesome.